This episode is brought to you by eBay. This Father's Day, celebrate the guy who always makes the time with Rolex, Omega, Breitling, and more. Find modern and vintage watches with the authenticity guarantee at ebay.com. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today's guests, Stephen Smith and Jonah Bayer. You may know them if you owned a television and loved music in the mid-2000s. Around that time, there was one TV show dedicated to the scene, so to speak, and championed many bands you know and love today. The show was Stephen's Untitled Rock Show on Fuse TV, a show I had the pleasure of working with during my day job at the time at Equal Vision Records. To have their videos played and even interviews was a huge deal at the time. Host Stephen Smith and one of the writers for the show, Jonah Bayer, are amazing in their candor about the time and place of the rock show and what is keeping that spirit alive today. A true time-in-a-bottle experience for those that were there and worth taking a dive into again. Thank you to the Patreon supporters out there. If you want to support the podcast and everything else with Washed Up Emo, check out patreon.com slash washedupemo. You can also hang out on the Discord, and that's been a really, really fun time. So shout out to all the Discord guys and girls and everyone out there. This is episode 182 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Stephen Smith and Jonah Bayer from Stephen's Untitled Rock Show. of it um was that we had this show on on fuse when i first got hired there when it was called much music usa and it was called imx and we did a partnership with warped and they created this um thing called warped wednesday and they said we want you to host it and uh this woman Kristen Lindsay was like the EP over it and this woman Emma was the producer of it and they said, Will you write it? And I was like, Yeah, I'll write it. It's cool. So I helped write the questions and it was Sugar Cult. And they were the guests and they they like fuses or much music at the time was one of the few places that really played the heck out of their videos and we liked them. So they would do whatever, which was cool. So we did that and then I found out a few weeks later that they wanted to that that did really well. They wanted to make it into a show. And I was like, oh, cool. Uh, thanks. That's awesome. And it was just going to be more of those kind of videos because when Much Music first started, you couldn't get, you know, the bigger acts. You couldn't get like Beyonce. You couldn't get that because they were just starting. So this wonderful programmer named Janice Unterweiser, she saw a need. She came from adult contemporary radio. So she could like, she could hear stuff that was coming. Like she had an ear. And so she started playing 
alkaline trio fallout boy taking back sunday you know and she really started pulling these bands in and then their fan base just kind of jumped on it so they decided to make a show surrounding that and stick my wiry butt in front of the camera to talk to them which was awesome but we didn't have a set we didn't have uh we didn't really have anything they found a set in in the dumpster and they built that and we just kind of tweaked it and just started bringing bands on. And then the partnership with Warped happened, which was really cool. And that took off because we got so many bands. And I think right, actually, I think right when the show started, the first Taste of Chaos happened. And that lineup was The Used and My Chem and A Static Lullaby. Um, I think Bleed the Dream, like a lot of these bands. And so we ended up going on tour and... There's just a couple of us. It was uh, Bruce McDonald was hired to produce it. And um, uh, Rachel, from uh, who had been on The Real World of MTV, Rachel was hired to be the PA. And uh, she was amazing. And Bruce knew the scene backwards and forwards. And they said, here you go. And Janice kept programming it. She programmed the whole channel and scheduled the whole channel. So they just started picking all the videos. And Bruce and I took turns writing the show and writing the questions and we just had a lot of fun with it and then it just i don't want to say took off because it it was just weird that the first guest we ever got was me first in the gimme gimmies <laughs> and then from there like it established this crazy credibility just by having fat mike on you know and spike you know and i think um uh, I'm pretty sure back then, I can't remember, I can't keep track of all the Me First records, but I'm pretty sure Shiflet was in the band at that point, you know? So, and I know it was him and Joey Cape and then the drummer from Lagwagon. So they were all on and, you know, we're all nerdy and stoked. And then from there, it just kind of spread. So we started pulling in a lot of cool bands. Um, and then bands that we liked, we got a little bit of a push. Like the first time we ever had a live performance, they said, who would you guys want? And I remember Bruce, Rachel, and I all went, uh, the explosion. <laughs> and they had just signed a, they just signed a virgin. So virgin was stoked to have them on. And we like asked for him to be on. We didn't have a set for the band to play. The crew built everything, all these local one guys who loved the show. And I don't know. It was cool. We had no idea what it was going to be. We were just having a lot of fun doing it. If that makes sense. And the thing that, yeah. Oh no, I'm just saying. I just I always have to. I always remind people that whenever I talk about it, like this young person who was asking me, you know, it's like you introduced me to so many bands, and I always say, hey man, I was the host of the show. I didn't pick the videos like, at all. Like there was a whole team of people to do that. Like uh, Annie Shapiro was in that department. Um, uh, this wonderful woman uh, named Trisha, who has really low standards in men, and married me. Um, she uh she basically booked every single artist on the show um which was cool uh we were we were of course we were dating before she came to fuse but still that kind of worked out um and so that uh dave weir who was like the svp there like there was a in janice there was a whole team who like picked the videos and put everything together and made everything happen you know we had our interns and stuff it really was this giant giant team effort and i always have to be very clear that 
I didn't choose any videos. I think it wasn't until Jonah came on that we started doing um, Steven's picks. So all of a sudden, like, you know, if you saw Riverboat Gamblers or Strike Anywhere or Jonah, I think we had an Inquisition video that made it in. Like, we I don't like, remember like, that. Yeah, like if we if that happened, Possible. yeah, I chose those. <laughs> but other than that, like no, nah, it was it was uh you know I w- I wasn't sitting there going I think you should play the Foo Fighters. Although I will take credit for Gaslight Anthem. Trish would my wife would tell you it was her, but that's just because she's known Joe Sib forever and he gave her the demo. But I took the demo and I made her listen to it. Um, I love that. I think so. one I think one thing that the 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 people would you know even if someone wasn't aware of the show now they are. I think to get nerdier, I think I wanted to know from Jonah and your side of like, talk about writing for a show or preparing. So specifically writing, what's that like? You go into the office, you know, probably at 10, um, 10, 30, 11, depending on the show, the previous night. What is that like? What are you, what are you discussing? What are, what are the, what are the things that go through your mind in that morning, you know, before um, you're maybe prepping for a show from a week from now or that day. What's that? What's that process like? I think you well, hit the nail on the head with that day, Jonah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was done very short, like the day of, maybe the day before. I mean, the thing like you have to remember is like I had never written for TV before, um, so I like didn't really know exactly what I was doing. Um, like I had done this zine in college, Love Inertia, and then I had worked at Alternative Press for three years as a music editor from 02 to 05. And then I moved to New York and Steven basically, I don't I had been like a guest on Fuse on some shows that Steven interviewed me, but we, I, I don't remember how we met. Maybe on Warped, when I was working on Warped Tour. Yeah, we met on Warped. You were doing something. No, 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 no. We were doing some crazy show. Joan and I met in the wildest way. We were doing some show, uh, some music thing, and it was in CBGB's. And so I was interviewing, I think Aaron Burgess and Jonah. And I remember yeah. we like, they would, I would say something obnoxious and they would laugh or Jonah would say something really obnoxious and I would just crack up and it was just like, perfect. It was just great. <laughs> and then I would see Jonah at, like warp tour doing uh, AP stuff. Or I remember I ran into him once at the house of blues and he quickly went by me and I just went, who should I be listening to? And he just went, Academy is. And I went, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah the, so, the, the, pro- um, the process of the process of the show is not in any way what you're thinking, and Jonah can elaborate. I wasn't thinking yeah, anything. I, mean, I know it's completely chaos. I want you to explain the chaos. <laughs> it was like you had to. So it was like different from writing for like for a magazine because you know that was most of my most of my writing was like more for word counts and writing for TV. It's more like how long it will take. So we had some kind of program. I remember the computers were like super old and hard to use. And we had some kind of program that would time out how long it would take Steven to say something so they could fit in enough commercials and it would be the right length. So I remember just writing a lot of questions for bands. We sometimes had help with the research. A lot of stuff I already knew a lot about the bands. But the one thing that I remember about writing it too was like there was no one really like checking us or like keeping an eye on us so i feel like i would just put in like weird inside jokes like we, i was like friends with a lot of the bands like i would make steven ask them really embarrassing stuff um it was very uh, kind of unprofessional looking back on it but very fun 
what else about that day or what else about like, let's say there was a performance. Um, you know, I've brought bands down there a bunch um, for things or guesting things like what, what else about the day or preparing for the show? And let's use prepare in quotes then. Um, what else, you know, what else happens before that maybe people wouldn't know about? Well, I, I think what, what's interesting is like, I, Stephen was in the, like the studio more, like the studio was like in the basement. Um, so that's where the recording and everything was done. And I was more up on, I don't know, the 17th floor or something. So everything got kind of written down there. And then I would usually watch the tapings, but it was like a totally different world. Like that's where the artists were that it seemed like much, that's where like all the production was. So I felt like Steven was kind of more in the like kind of exciting part of the show where I felt like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff was just like me or whoever else just sitting kind of like in a cubicle, like writing, you know, questions for, you know, some, some band on the warp tour. But Joe, see, Joe has done himself short. I learned really hard that the hard way that you can't write for yourself. You know, you're writing your own script and reading it sounds very stilted. And so I knew that we needed somebody. And Jonah had um, not auditions, the wrong word. What do you do? You get like a writing sample or something, Jonah, for another show? At Fuse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Cause I was standing next to a cube and someone said, yeah, we, uh, Jonah. I was like, Oh dude, Jonah, you're going to hire him. And I remember they, they said, yeah, no, he doesn't have uh, TV experience. And I remember I stood there and I went, can I have him? <laughs> and, they went, and they said, and they said, sure. Why? And I said, cause I don't want somebody with TV experience. I want the complete opposite. I want a journalist. I want someone who knows the bands who can do this. And Bruce had actually left the rock show by then. And he had gone on to work on this show, the sauce. And the, um, uh, so we had gone through a couple of other, uh, producers. I think when Jonah came on, I think it was this guy, Rob Crabb, who was there, who's gone on to do, I mean, he's done terrible. What's the show he EPs now, Jonah? Um, what's that guy's name? Um, oh, oh, oh uh, James Corden. That's the show Rob runs. And let's see, what, what did I, where did our director go from the rock show? Dave Diametti, what's that show he does now? Oh, Jimmy Fallon, he's the director of that one. Let's see, where did our stage manager go? I think he's at Colbert. <laughs> we can pick some awesome talent, man. It'd be really good. But Jonah, um, Jonah showed up with Rob, and Rob had come from Letterman. And so Rob was like, he really knew what was going on. And he kind of guided Jonah, and, and then Rob ended up, uh, Bruce and I ended up leaving the other show. I can't remember. I, think, I don't know. It's weird. Fuse, Fuse is a weird place. It still is. And it goes through many different people in the upper echelon and the people in the bottom are just like, wait, what's happening? So there's so many changes for reasons that don't make sense. But the last producer was a guy named Mike Kenjemi. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. And we kind of grabbed him. We kind of like, you're producing the show now. And because <laughs> he really got it. He got the vibe he would come up with some really cool marketing integrations and, and do some things. And that's one of the funny parts about the show is that the show is like, you know, subversive rock and roll, but like we had corporate sponsorships, we had to do integrations and stuff. I remember we had to drive around Cleveland for the rock and roll hall of fame. We had a great sponsorship with Volkswagen, you know, who would give us cars to drive around and they would give us these big uh, untitled rock show magnets to put all over the car which we would put in the most ridiculous ways. 
Um, because again, like Jonah said, no one was really checking on us. So we kind of just did what we wanted to see, if that makes sense. Yeah. What are some things that people maybe think were easy, um, with the show that, that, that weren't, um, that you can recall? I think that Steven made it look a lot easier than it was. And maybe that's like a different question, but I feel like Steven is such a professional host that like, if you tell Steven to like talk for like 15 seconds, like he can talk for exactly 15 seconds. Like he had so much hosting experience that I feel like that really made the show like, like Steven was professional. Like when he was on camera, like he was really good. And I feel like, you know, when we, even when we did the podcast together, like Steven, when we did going off track together, Steven always um, is able to like keep a conversation going Um you, you know, which is not an easy skill when someone's not super chatty. So I think Stephen made it look easy, but I think in reality, hosting that show probably was super hard to do for most people, or would be. Very kind to say all that. I love that answer because <laughs> that that was going to be my thing. I bet people would be like, I could do that. You know, I could sit there and and talk to a band, or I could do that. And I just think of I know because I know you guys and. I've dealt in the horrible industry as music and you know, all the things that go into those 30 seconds or 20 seconds. And that example of you saying like, you know, Hey Steven, the band ended their question too early. You got 15 seconds before the break starts and being able to do that, um, is definitely something that I think, yeah, you're right. People must look at that and be like, Oh, that's, that's not hard. You're just talking to bands. <laughs> kind of you guys any any kind of hosting stuff is is like anything else like any other kind of skill set you know you learn it on the fly and you have a little uh, ifb internal fold back they call it in your ear and every newscaster wears them and the hardest thing that everybody has to learn and jim Shearer and i you know from mtv2 he's a good buddy of ours he and i would talk about this stuff all the time how you get so used to having someone having a full conversation in one ear while you're talking to someone else because you have to keep it on time and then you have to have a stage manager telling you every show, every live show does this. Um, right now with the world busted, it's gotta be even trickier because you can't have anybody in the room, but there are some super, super pros out there. And it's, it's, it, that was actually oddly enough, like about hosting one of my least favorite things was just all of the, you can't just sit and talk, which was why we liked Joan and I like the pre-interviews in the green room because we would just literally talk about whatever right because you started to get an idea of who who would talk who wouldn't what things they were into that day what their feelings were um yeah that's great what about something that was hard that um that you didn't realize about about doing the show well you said before like writing the time is tricky man because they broke it down because no all, all songs have a different second count right and that show had to fit into what was it 22 26 jonah I'm, I'm picturing formats yeah. in my head. Some, I think, I, I want to say 24. Yeah, it's like 24, and then it would change every day. So at some points, Jonah would have to write an open for me to say that would be like 22 seconds and then dive in. And so what we did was we, we broke it apart so that we would stretch the interview out over 12 minutes, which doesn't happen on TV. And I thought that was really cool. That was something we did. You never see anyone sit down for a full 10, 12 minutes. Cause as you know, Tom, from doing a podcast, it's a lot of time. Um, so we would always, I, I hated talking to a band for two minutes, throwing to a video and coming back. So we rejiggered the format 
to make that more interesting, which, which, which was a lot. It took a lot of, you know, a lot of people talking. I'll tell you something that was hard that people don't see is eventually people started paying attention to the show. That was my next part. Like, that's the thing. I I was thinking that was going to be the hard part when people woke up and were like, oh, shit, this is making (laughs) a difference. Oh, that's, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't admit it. I mean, it was cool. It was a neat moment in time. I really, yeah, I I don't want to undersell people's experience. I I just don't remember when I said when people, people started paying attention, I wasn't thinking of viewer. I was thinking of like people in executive positions were like, what are you guys doing on the show? And we'd be like, nothing. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What do you think we're doing on the show? I mean, I feel like from a writing point of view, it's really hard to like not use the same adjectives. It's really hard to like describe videos in the same genre in different ways. And then I think, you know, as usual, it's always hard dealing with like managers. Like, you know, it's always hard, you know, if someone wants to see the questions sometimes, you know, keep in mind, like I had been music editor, alternative press for three years. Right. And, you know, not, not everything I'd written was positive. So, you know, (laughs) You know, uh, it's just not, it's just, you know, once man, go ahead, Steve. Well, I was just saying, there was also a number, I had talked a lot of shit on bands. So there was like this list of people that were like, we're going to beat the shit out of Joe. Like we, like, like, like we had, I remember there was some, I can't remember who you pissed off, Jonah. Um, <laughs> was it Avenged Sevenfold? Was it the Dick Cheney reference? You had written something about a review and they were coming in like, where's Jonah? And we had to be like, Jonah, stay on the 17th floor. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was another show down there. Like, like, remember that band Hinder? Like, I've never met these dudes. I had no reason to fuck with them. But like at my desk, I smashed one of their CDs because I was like, these guys, I'm just, just not my thing. And someone in the office, like it got back to the band. And they were in the studio doing something else, not our show, but word came up to like Hinders here and they want to beat the shit out of Steven. And I was like, send down the intern, Andrew. <laughs> Here's Steven. <laughs> Didn't yeah. realize he well, was 19. Well, yeah. You know, what's really interesting about that is like, you know, I th- so this is like really before social media and like, this is something I think about. And it's like, when I was doing my zine, like, even kind of when I worked at AP to an extent um, and even on the rock show, like when you didn't have social media, there was never this kind of instant feedback. So it sort of felt like you were doing stuff in a vacuum. Um, Like you didn't have, you know, you didn't know, even if you knew it was being broadcast, you didn't really think about it as much. So I feel like, especially when I like go back and read my old zine reviews, I'm like, Oh my, I can't believe like not only is this terribly written, it's like, kind of like rude or it's like you know but i feel like there was no awareness around that whereas like now you would get you know hate you know band fans will give you a hard time like back then i felt like it just felt like we were making something in a vacuum and just doing what we wanted to do and then you know when stuff like that popped up it was like oh oh right (laughs) like people are listening yeah no i i i I agree that yeah so i I'm probably, I mean, I definitely tweet out some weird shit sometimes and I forget, you know, that someone will be like, Hey man, it wasn't really cool. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, right. That was at eight 30 this morning. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Right. 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 And, be, and, and being like, a, and, and being a music critic, it's like, you know, like you're not going to like everything. Right. But I mean, I think with the, with the, with the rock show, we really tried to stress the positive stuff. And, you know, I always try to stress the positive stuff. I feel like it's, you know, you don't want to turn on stuff, but I mean, um, 
yeah, it's it's a hard way. What? It's it's tough. That's inherently what it's about. I don't know. Well, that, that, that breaks down to just TV in general. Like, that's why you see the same, you know, dildos on news shows all the time, even if they're jerk faces, because you want them to come back. So, like, if you don't like a band or you piss off a label, which Jonah and I both have done, um, like, they're saying, oh, really? Okay, well, now these three artists aren't coming. You're like, fuck. Right. Like, I was just right. being honest. And you got to remember that as much as we like almost famous and maximum rock and roll that won't that that won't keep doritos happy you know right. and it sounds so shitty to say that but that's that's how the shit works at the end of the day something has to get sold so we can keep doing the art well that's the thing it's like it's that it's that balance and i think that that some people like you know i think they sort of like didn't see that where it's like look we need to play this 30 seconds to mars video a lot because the advertisers like it or whatever that version is or whatever the band was and getting that guest led to the cooler guest and you'd hope that someone watching over the episodes would kind of get that and it's it's tough because you've got you're not you're right you're not maximum rock and roll you can't just do what you want and also it depends yeah. on who's got the ear so like the person who for me as we all know her because she had my children but like my wife was the one who was pushing those bands you know like she was the one who really played the shit out of 30 seconds to mars because she heard something and saw like a scene and a fan base mm -hmm. and we we would interview them we would fuck with that dude you know what i mean like we would just we would mess with jared and he was great he was really great he took it all in stride even when he would like go off on his uh, echelon symbology with the band and be like, oh, shut up. You know, like it was, he was, that was a lot of fun. And then even if you had a band come on that, we used to always say way back when, like, you know, being nice doesn't make up for bad music. <laughs> right. But most people were so cool. Like there were few, few, I don't think we really had anybody who was obnoxious, Jonah, who came on. No, no. I mean, I think everyone was was pretty cool. Another thing I was thinking about, I was thinking about the show that was really cool. Like, you know, this is it's really sad, but um, you know, when Casey from Hawthorne Heights passed away, like we threw oh, together yeah. like a whole episode. Oh, I like, remember that. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it was you know that was like a really big deal for us, and you know they were you know played on the show a lot, and I felt like we had the freedom. Really, I think Bruce's were behind that too, but. Um, to put something oh, yeah, together went, like that quickly Bruce, and get in the air. Yeah, Bruce really, really uh, took that on himself, and that was mm -hmm. that was intense because they had come by so many times. That was back when, uh, like, I think the majority of the ads during the rock show was Tony Victory. I think he bought up like every thirty second slot. You know what I mean? And so, so Hawthorne Heights was like you just heard even if the video wasn't playing, you heard the commercial. So they were everywhere, and that just. That just killed everybody and it just brought it all. I don't know. It's, as you know, Tom, it's, it's always been a, a close knit scene, even with people you haven't met. And that was also kind of the point we treated, I don't know. We were just fans who really liked talking to bands. <laughs> right. I, I think, I, I think this was where, you know, when you mentioned the commercials, I remember laughing. I did the commercials at, 
EVR. Like that was one of my 1200 jobs. <laughs> and there's a few funny ones that, I mean, we would, we, it, we would put so much money because we knew that it, it was like, almost like we knew what in, it was the influencer. We knew that there was a kid in some town that, the the band was about to come through and we would get really specific with it. I remember we found out that overnights in New Mexico were like $5. So your like even just Fuse in general, even if it wasn't Stevens, we would put ads on Fuse overnights it was like $5. And so we would just pump wow. whatever the, you know, thing if it was a Fall of Troy or Circa or something and we would just just jam it. And we would see in the next week's sound scan a difference. And I just think it was the right place, right time, amazing scene happening, bubbling. Bands were blowing up. You were getting these big guests. And I just think if uh, more people, like it was, some of the people were like, why are you focusing on this show? And I'm like, we see uh, it matter. You know, kids in the middle, it, it was it was their Walmart. It was the one place that they could see something that, they were seeing people that maybe they wanted to be friends with that weren't at their high school. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I agree. We met them. Like we'd see them out on the road and you'd see, right. You'd see different people and they would come up and it's like, you all had, usually it was warped, you know, and people would have, you would find people of like minds and it was kind of cool. Cause I didn't, we didn't have warped when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have that kind of thing. Um, so you would go to shows and you would see people like that, but that was, you know, a battle. I lived in Northern Virginia and you had to, you know, brave death to go into DC to see these bands. Um, but it was cool that we never had a show like, well, I, I just, I, no, no, we got 120 minutes. I did, you know, and, and Penfield is, it was a buddy and that like, that meant a lot to have people say, Oh, you, your show is something like that. Yeah. And for me, that was, the highest praise because 120 minutes um even back to uh the first host dave like he like or uh, even um kevin seal might have done one or two like uh that was huge for me because i would stay up late and i would watch it and there was always bands that i didn't know i'd be like soul asylum what is that you know yeah and and not having a wiki or not having something to go to instantly and sort of have to sit and watch for three minutes kind of like you know the so i that that pause and i think the this show steven's untitled rock show i thought you know it was event tv for especially if i was at evr like you know trisha was so great about having circa um i remember remember i emailed you a bunch of those photos and those guys were on a bunch and i know i mean i talked about it with anthony do you know, do you know, recently do you know do you know wait do you know anthony's relationship with trish they're in the from the same town right they're from like the same neighborhood right. and like Anthony's Anthony's older brother like dated like one of her friend's sisters and they would see him at parties. And so we were at South by and Circa came in right after Paramore, which was kind of funny. It was a super rainy day and we couldn't shoot anything outside. It was the one day in Austin it rained and Anthony's there and Trish literally looked over and went, little Anthony and he went oh my god and it was like this crazy like I love that this, this weird wacky ass six degrees and um 
man, who knew that kid, kid could sing like that? <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, Still. I told you, I, I ripped. I have a bunch of episodes of theirs. I taped them all and put and digitized them. And watching them back, it was just fun. I remember just being like, "Hey, we got a new record. Or we got a new video." And you know, Trish or whoever would be like, "Come on down," you know. And we'd drive down from Albany and 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 take them or meet the guys there. And um, I know, I know it, it meant a lot. And again, the same thing I said earlier about it, just like the ads, you know, even if we couldn't get you guys to play the videos, we would do the ads enough where they saw the video. <laughs> oh, completely, completely. We, we have bad views running all the time. I'll be not accepting Trisha's office. She would narrate, which I thought was funny. In having 500 episodes, being able to play a bunch of songs or, or pl- having things were there, there bands or moments that you might have missed or bands and moments that you were happy to grab onto? Like, I just watched your little clip with Foo Fighters, which I thought was hilarious because you showed them their jawbreaker tattoo. So it was like you're having Foo oh, Fighters yeah. on and then there's kids and then you mentioned jawbreaker and they're like, that's cool. It's just like those little subtle things that you can bring on um, or even moments like that that you were kind of stoked on when you did the show. That's funny. Like that, the tattoo thing is hilarious. Cause I know that uh, Chris Shiplett also has a jawbreaker tattoo, so that was why I like threw that out there because I'm nerdy. I remember, I remember the first time wasn't the rock show. First time Taking Back Sunday ever came on. It, 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 what, you, what was cool, I think, about everything was that like we are genuine music fans, you know, and we were then, and that it was like almost like having someone on the inside because mm-hmm. uh, Jim Shear and I would talk about this a lot that when people meet you, they're like, uh, you don't know your shit. You don't know anything. You're just being paid to talk. And you're like, yeah, actually, I kind of dig music. And I remember taking back Sunday, the first time I met them, um, we were talking about music and someone said, oh, you're getting compared to this. And I just looked at him. I said, for me, you sound like you're really influenced by Lifetime. And Adam Lazar looked at him and went, I have Lifetime lyrics tattooed on my elbow. And I went, yeah, okay, cool. And then everything was fine you know, mm-hmm. or since I was a little older than a lot of the bands, people would be like, wait, you saw Jawbreaker? And I'm like, I followed Jawbreaker, dude. <laughs> like I was, I was a total nerd for Jawbreaker. The Foo Fighters episode was fun because Jonah wrote some really great questions where he was like stuff that you would never ask Dave Grohl. Like now you would, because the world is so different. But I remember Jonah wrote a question going, would you teach me how to play drums? Speaking of tattoos, I do remember we tried to do an episode where something with John Reese or something, Stephen, where like you want, you were going to get a rocket from the crypt tattoo while you were interviewing him. And then you said like, they couldn't for legally reasons, you couldn't get tattooed there. Is that true? Yeah. So I, yeah, that is true. So I went and got the tattoo and we filmed it and then we aired it while I was interviewing him. And in that month, because the other thing, Tom, I was, I was hosting a bunch of other shows for Fuse. Um, what, what was the one they, with they, the they, with the uh, what was the one that had the 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 betting or the, the like different uh, bands had like a rating or like you, it was like a stock exchange? Oh, yeah. That was the first one. That was IMX. That, that was IMX. Shit. Okay, right. Yeah, you got IMX bucks, and we're like, and I remember just sitting there going like, I don't understand what's happening. I was like, this is this is the weirdest show, and I was insane because like i started working there when i was 30 and everyone else was like 19 and i would just kind of fade in the background going i'm just gonna just ride this out as long as i can and was it was it canadian like i i was so confused i was like is this is this is this van halen money in canadian or is it in u.s dollar 
Yeah, exactly. Is this, is this all like, cause I love much music. And then I was like, I was so stoked to get the gig. And, um, then they changed it to fuse and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Um, fuse, uh, I, no one still knows. It's a very odd place. What other ideas uh, didn't happen that, that didn't you wanted happen. to do? I, I, <laughs> there were so many ideas that, that sound like they shouldn't have happened that happened. Like, all right, let's, let's, let's um, do that then. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. like we got on this this weird kick where like we really wanted Joe McHale to to show a clip of the show oh. on his on the soup on, yeah. on the city. <laughs> so like we would like write in like this shout out to Joe McHale like e- like and I'm not exaggerating like almost every episode there would be a part where Stephen just starts to, like Joe, if you're watching this and you would have like a doll of Joe McHale all, all this stuff and then. Years later, I actually interviewed Joe McHale, like, shortly after the show was canceled. I was like, I was like, at the end or something, I was, I was like, hey, so I wrote for the show, and Pete seemed to try to rock show. Like, we gave you shots. Did you ever hear about this? And he's like, nope, I'm sorry your show got canceled, though. Like, it was very <laughs> nice. But it was, you know, then our time slot kept getting moved. I saw um, that. Like, so we, from 2 yeah. o'clock to 4 o'clock. Or, I was like, who's home at 2? Yeah, so that yeah. moved it too. So then we had this whole part where we would like tell kids to like, like cut school and like watch the show or like <laughs> like we were just. And I think it was no, less, I think it was us more trying to like mess with the network or something. Well, it was it was that was Ken Jemmy. That was our producer. He was a genius okay. when it came to like funny things. And he they gave us this integrated marketing thing. It was the cell phone. It was the no. It was the Palm Centro something. Trio, and Palm Trio. Oh, yeah. was the Palm Center. Oh, yeah, that, that's what it is, Palm Trio. Yeah. And so Mike was like, hey, they're moving our time slot from four to two, so you'd be in class. So just text us from class and tell us what you were doing. <laughs> wow. Kids would do it. It was so funny. Yeah, that yeah there's a lot of really silly ideas. Yeah, we did some, I don't know, like making the cake for Food Fighters and smashing it. That was kind of funny. Well, I didn't tell anybody I was going to do that. And, uh, I don't know. We would do it like the stuff we would do out in the field, like for uh for warped, just driving around in the car. Like I remember we we went to um when we did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland when they did the Warped Tour exhibit. Which weird sidebar, uh, this uh like uh dude on Twitter that I I tweet back and forth with, he just sends me a picture and he says, "Hey, I'm at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Check this out." And there's like a table of Warp Tour stuff, and right in the middle is a Stevens Untitled Rock Show Mike Cube. Like That's a awesome. Permanent display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, now, mind you, there's also the hot dog that Fish wrote in at one of their Madison Square Garden shows. So I don't know about any legitimacy anymore, but uh, <laughs> we're there. So, but the t- yeah, the time slot thing was funny. The um, messing with the kids with that. Um, oh yeah, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was snowing and Volkswagen gave us a convertible. So I put on ski goggles and we just drove around Cleveland in the snow with the top down. <laughs> uh, our problem was we would do a lot of stuff that we thought was funny. One, well, actually, one of my favorite memories that had nothing to do with the show was um, the promos department uh, said, hey, why don't we why don't you make the promos for the rock show? And so I wrote them in this guy, uh, John Durgey, he directed them and, uh, well, he was like the director of photography and I was like, let's try this, this, and this. And we made all these crazy ass promos that had nothing to do with 
anything. He put them all up on YouTube. They're there. He's when did so the great. when did the network notice, or when did you feel like that maybe someone's watching during the show when before it didn't, or did it, or did it, it? Yeah, when did that happen? I would say around 2006. I would say right when Foo Fighters came on, because um, they weren't gonna like they had a weird thing in the schedule, and since it was our 300th episode or 500th episode i think it was our 500th episode um the they it, you know not their fault they didn't say no fuck the show they're like ah oh, shit we can't make it and they're like look it's our 500th episode it's the one day we have to do it and they went okay cool and i think that really kind of let the the higher-ups know that there was something there there was a, there was a beautiful moment in time that fuse was just going to take off and it was a wonderful woman named jen caserta she runs ifc mm-hmm and she is just one of the greatest television execs ever. And she she came in and was all about music and she loved the show and she was putting out ads for the show. She liked the way we put it together and she just really wanted to do it. And uh, then Jim Dolan sold Fuse to Madison Square Garden. And so she went back to IFC. And smartly so, you know, um, uh, and then they just didn't know what to do with us. They just, they just kind of bounced around different execs and like, you know, there, there's a, you know, from labels town, there's a revolving door of people who kind of fail upward, yep. you know, and they don't know what goes on down deep and it's just, it's just a game, you know, it's just how it works. So um, I actually was thinking about this today. And like you to respond, I feel like, you know, there's, there, there's bands that, you know, they've got a, you know, a two album run four to five year or a venue or even a scene, you know, a scene's got a great guy that's booking, you know, the record store's got a cool guy that works there that's in college. And then three or four years go by and one person moves or another person has a situation with their girlfriend or something and things change like that. But it, I think it, I think to have this moment in that time period for what you guys capitalized on um, and what you realizing what was happening before anyone um, I think was, I think the bands and the, the labels um, I don't know. I, it, it, I, I was thinking I'm, I was thinking being at the label being like, well, what else would we have gone to? Yeah. We had some help with MTV too. <laughs> you know, there was some help we got for some bands, but it was like, we could, we knew that we would have help at this place that, kids were watching um so it's almost like it's it's like a i don't know it's like it was it was great that it happened because regardless of how long it was and regardless of the bullshit it, like it actually happened i think that's a miracle in itself yeah that's a great statement i think about that a lot like we got to do that that's really cool you know it's not that it ended but it's that we legit got to be a part of it you know do you think about that jonah yeah yeah for sure i mean it's um you know i went you know i've gone on like since the rock show like i did um like a web series with my sister through like above average and bro like i went on to do more kind of video stuff but i feel like you know even though this was on fuse like like the amount i guess like the amount of freedom we had i think was really amazing um and the fact that we could just you know have these guests on like just totally be silly um do all this stuff and have it be on television 
and you could watch it. I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty amazing kind of like thinking about these stories and looking back because I don't think it could happen now. Like it could happen now in like a web show or something, but right. I don't think something you would that's watch on the cable. thing. No, it's like it, your parents could flip past it. Like that's the, <laughs> you know, that's the piece that I think is like you were in, I mean, it, but shitload of homes, you know, the, the channel was, 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 was pushed heavily, you know, nationwide. And I think it's amazing because it's before the posting of retweets and, and hashtags and, and those types of things when it really, um, you know, Twitter was around, but that was still when it was text messaging. It wasn't even, there wasn't even an app yet. So, um, and to, to attach yourself to taste of chaos or take action or be down at South by and see those bands um, there. It seems like, you know, the, were there, was there, was there other competition? Did you feel anything or did you kind of still feel that you guys were the only ones doing this in the, you know what I mean? Like the scene and those, those, those type of bands. Um, I, mean, I mean, to I me, it was like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think like yeah. working, you know, working at alternative press and then working for Steven's show, like those two places are very analogous at the time. Um, as far as like having like a larger reach, but covering kind of like this punk hardcore emo subgenre. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really feel, I felt like we were like part of this, this media covering it, but I didn't really feel any sort of competition. I felt like, like there were a lot of smaller places covering it in zines, which was what I had done, but it felt to me like, it was sort of like, that was kind of it. I don't know. What do you think, Steven? Yeah, I, th- I think we had the one show. I know Jim, uh, Sheer and I, we always joked around because he was still doing like kind of 120 minutes style stuff, but he, he could branch out more. He got more, you know, he had the MTV brand behind him. So we, there's actually, we, he and I met at um, uh, Voodoo and jokingly, there's just like this picture of us like shaking hands. You know? <laughs> he ended up at Fuse for a little bit but there wasn't anyone doing a show like the rock show that just focused on those bands. And it was just cool. I remember Madison square garden um, had a show and Eddie trunk was hosting it and uh, a metal show guy, you know, Eddie, and they booked a lot of great bands. And one day they booked dashboard and Eddie literally called me. and was like, dude, can you do this interview? I don't know this world. Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, I'll do it. You know, and so I just I literally walked across the street and interviewed Dashboard and Chris was like, hey, I'm like, hey, you know, and we just we just did it, you know, and so that was kind of cool. But there wasn't really I don't want to say we're the only game in town, but like no, no other place would have would have thought to do it and to do it in such a way to make it like a cool afternoon show on both coasts um, and really adhere to that audience you know yeah, like it was a, yeah it was, i agree was a i mean small yeah, but devoted yeah i agree like i worked on like a show at college you know on my college i showed videos but yeah not not on that level but but i will say that you know you keep in mind like at the same time steven was doing the show like steven would be like i'm gonna go interview madonna now for he was he was interviewing all these <laughs> huge names people for other shows on fuse he was, i'd be like i was interviewing madonna he'd be like i talked to her about like eugene from gogo berdella like so Stephen also was interviewing, you know, actresses, actors, huge artists at the same time. Like this was all kind of happening at the same time. Isn't that, I mean, is that right, Stephen? I think. My memory. Yeah, right? we would do that. 
No, your memory's totally right. In fact, I had interviewed Madonna the week before John Reese, and uh, my wife was like, why are you so nervous about John Reese? I'm like, because it's John Reese. And it's like, Madonna didn't make you blink. And I'm like, yeah, but it's John. I was like so nervous about talking to John Reese. I was flipping the fuck out. The only other time I got that freaked out was when HR came by, and I was just scared. <laughs> <laughs> you never want um, HR to roll by. Yeah, I remember one time we were doing a show there and uh, Dave Weir, the SVP, comes out of the green room and he went, all right, I think I upset Henry Rollins. Steven, can you go in and calm him down? And I went, fuck you. Wow. No, no I'm not going in. And then I had to go in. <laughs> uh, luckily, luckily, we're from the same neighborhood in Virginia, so I could speak, I could speak fluent Annandale. So he was fine. And, and, the most, and the most punk thing ever that happened to the rock show Speaking of Annandale, was do you remember, Tom? Did you see this video floating around where some magazine in uh, England made a video, uh, made it look like the 930 Club, and they made a video of Minor Threat, but instead of Ian, they had Ben Kingsley? No. Have you ever seen this? I have not. It's amazing. So, uh, Right before the show got canceled, uh, I got on the phone with Ian Mackay. And I had met him like once before, like a Q&A or something. And he's like, minor threat, like changed my life. So I was kind of flipping out. But I got on the phone with him and he actually gave us permission, legally, everything to play that Ben Kingsley video. We got it from the magazine. And he was like, yeah, you totally have my permission to play it. That's awesome. And his only thing was, his only thing was don't call us a straight edge band. Please call us a punk band. <laughs> and I went, I'll, I'll call you a fucking mariachi band, dude. I don't give a shit. You know? yeah. and, That's awesome. Uh, and, then the show, and then the show got canceled and that video never got like airplay on a network, which I thought was, uh, you know, not great for us, but like so poignant. <laughs> I love it. You know what? I read, a, I just finished a Pearl Jam book uh, and I read that the night before Pearl Jam went to go see Bill Clinton, Ed didn't stay at the hotel. He stayed with Ian the night before <laughs> and hung with Ian and then went and then went to go to. The, so he almost saw the other president before seeing the president of the United States. <laughs> they the, so so my friends went to that Lollapalooza show that he he left the the venue in Virginia to go find the discord house. Right. Cause he was such a fan and he drove back, got stuck in traffic, had to abandon the car and run in to do their set. <laughs> he also, what he's saying on bad religion, he's saying on recipe for hate. He's got some, some cred for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I remember he did, um, uh, I was at the, remember the 92, the rock for choice, shows totally remember those? yeah so so i was at the fugazi one in dc and it was fugazi l7 and bikini kill and it was great there's audio of it and the audio does not sound great but it's, it was great to be there and that was the one time they put um fugazi with their name be on a shirt and it was like fugazi then pearl jam then we had the hot chili peppers and i remember when Pearl Jam played their show, Eddie did an acoustic version, or no, no, not acoustic, acapella version of Suggestion. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So yeah, Eddie, I, dude, I, I always liked Pearl Jam, but I never loved Pearl Jam. And then we were, 
covering Bonnaroo, which is the worst fucking festival ever created. Did it smell? Um, and, oh God, it's it's like, <laughs> and I, I and sadly I said that in front of someone who worked at Red Light accidentally, and I was like, "Don't stop at the heel. Your festival's garbage." And like they were like, "Well, we make a lot of money." I'm like, "I guess if that's what you want to do." But um, uh, I remember seeing Pearl Jam there for the first time live and being like, "Damn." <laughs> these guys throw down they're great totally back it yeah, but i digress no no it's crazy i just think it's again the 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 being able to do little instant you know mentions of bands or be able to to do that i mean he was just on uh, eddie was just on howard stern and he had ian's new band's seven inch over his shoulder or record or whatever and i kind of love that i love that you can you know, can still kind of sneak those in. And I feel like that was with Sirs. Like, yeah, I got to sit through Hawthorne Heights again, but maybe there's another band right after that got to get, you know, a couple plays and, you know, there's, there's probably someone out there that that became their new favorite band. Yeah, man. Bands are like girlfriends, you know what I mean? Or partners, I should say. I don't want to be so binary. Um, and like people get really devoted and if that's where they found it, then awesome. You know, the show did what it was supposed to. Yeah, it's definitely of an era for sure, though, like um, like the photos he sent Tom and like just talking about these bands, like that whole Hawthorne Heights, like matchbook romance, like mm-hmm. that whole world. It's, it's really um, going back to it. It's kind of it seems like just it just seems like so long ago, like everyone yeah. like looks different. It's like it's like it's it's wild. It was it was 100 yeah. years ago. Uh, I One thing I want to mention <laughs> is I remember, uh, I forget who called me. It might have been Bruce. It might have been Annie. I'm not sure. But I kind of like, I grew up in a small town. You know, I had three channels. We didn't even have Fox growing up. TV was magic. Everything was everything was real. Nothing was fake. So they called me and said, uh, we got William Hung coming by the office um, for a show. Can you come and ask a question live? Um. Do you guys remember this? I actually have the tape still. I have the tape. It's so weird. It's 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 so weird that you're mentioning this because Why? the same thing happened to me. <laughs> like I was I remember being at Fuse and being a guest. I think it was probably me and Aaron Burgess, some other editor I'll turn press way before I worked for for the rock show. And then being like, we just want to ask you a few questions about William Hung. And it was like, I think like NERD so was there. It was like a weird, and they were, they were doing some kind of like, I think they were doing some kind of special or something. Yeah. They were just like asking anyone who had come through like to get like sound. And I was, I was like, I was like, I have no, I didn't even know who he was. I was like, I have no idea like what this is. I have that all on tape. I have oh it all. God. Really? That yeah, I have so it all. Funny. So I watched it recently and I remember it's like, you know, I have a little giggle. Everyone knows the giggle. And so the who listens to the podcast and I just remember like them being like the producer being like, uh, you know, what are you going to ask? And I was like so amped. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to ask William about blah, blah, blah. They're like, awesome. Here you go. All right. And the other thing I got to yell 
answer the question was I got to yell, you're my boy hung. Cause I think old school was happening at, at the time. Oh, and then my, so great. Th- three of my friends all high fived. Cause we came over from work. Um, I was like, you guys want to come on TV with me. And so, but that was, I, I was like, man, TV is, is not real. Is it? <laughs> so I so that show, I realized that it's, it's just, it's just all, you know, most of it is, I, is I, fake. But I have this Jonah. I'm Dude, sure I, you're on this I, tape. I love that. I love it. I, I might be on that. there. I might. I might not be on it. I might not have made the cut because I think I like really, like didn't know what what I didn't understand it at all. And I think, <laughs> but if if I'm on it, I'm sure it's it's so bad. I'm sure Jonah, I was away. Looking, I, were you there, Stephen, for this? Because this was like the Dude, TRL of your show. What was that called? That was that was the sauce. That, that was either IMAX or Daily Download. Daily Download, two. yeah, one of those, yeah. Yeah. So I had so Fuse never gave me a vacation ever, <laughs> and so I, I got this. So, so I got this vacation, and they were like, "You can go for two weeks, and we're going to bring in um, this comedian to take over for you." And I remember being like, "I don't like this guy at all," so I'm going to be glad to be gone. And because um, the producer, one of the EPs there, didn't she didn't like me particularly. She kept trying to like get extra co-hosts in. I think one time was Zachary Levi. I mean, whatever happened to him? But um, <laughs> the, I went I went away and I came back and everyone's talking about William Hung, William Hung, and I'm like, what? What is happening? By the way, you're on this and episode. Already, I'm watching it right now. God, my hair must look <laughs> insane. I have this episode. I'm pulling. Who got it? Ch- ch- Stephen. I know that. I think, Steven. Steven. Oh Lord, <laughs> what, do do you remember? So if at some point on this episode, so William, your hair is ridiculous, by the way, Steven. Steven, your hair it's, is it's it's like oh, it's, it's like uh, it's the dude from Soul Asylum, but like if he woke up, that's what it is. No, 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 it's Johnny Resnick. <laughs> if he woke up, that's well, what it is. Oh right, right. Excuse <laughs> they, me. I'm sorry. They made, they made me. They made me go to the same uh, hairstylist as, as Johnny, um, who in a weird turn of events. I interviewed them on VH1, mentioned Jawbreaker, because I do this all the time, and the drummer gave me a Jawbreaker t-shirt because they had the same merch company, which was Cinderblock, which was, I think, Cinder from Tilt. I don't know. Anyway, weird, weird digression. But um, I didn't know what William Hung was. I didn't know what was happening. And all I remember is to calm William Hung down, <laughs> they, brought in, they brought in one of the executives from Pokemon, because he was such a huge Pokemon player so that he was going to play Pokemon on air with her. And if you, if you get to that point and see the look on my face, I just remember specifically thinking, see, now I don't know what's going on, but this I'm loving. <laughs> well, oh, that's I just, so I good. Playing Pokemon. And I'm sitting there going Charizard, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so ridiculous. I love that you guys did that, man. So, you do wow, it. this quality oh, is really I'm great. Good. I'm going to send you guys this. You guys got to play AFI during this. This this is a good episode. I wore my EVR <laughs> hoodie. This is like, this is good. Oh, my you God. You a lot of AFI you were, back then. Was, was it a hoodie or was it a, a track jacket? It was the track jacket. Actually, I just found my yeah, clip I, here. I just found my clip. I'm 30 minutes in. I got one of in. those, too. It was like a holiday gift. Yeah, that, that was our holiday. Yeah, that was our holiday. Yep. Yeah. I just think, like, these those types of, like, ridiculous things of, like, what publicist convinced 
somebody to get them on the air and like what executive was like we you know we have to make this happen when in reality it's it's like a blip oh i can tell you exactly who did it <laughs> he was his name was his name was mark juris and he ran fuse for a long time and then he left to go run true tv and then was kicked out of True TV because they found a whole bunch of like awful porn on his computer at work. Oh man. So that'll tell you everything about Mark. And I used to go into Mark's office and he would have an Emmy on his desk. And when he wasn't in his office, I would go just turn it slightly <laughs> and then just leave. Cause I'm 12. <laughs> um, I will get you guys this video <laughs> so you guys can watch if, if, if you want to. I'm, I don't think this is online. I would love to see it. Well, you know, it's good, you, well, it's good to have because Fuse was terrible at archiving, which I know will kill you, Tom. Well, see, that's they... that's what's crazy. <laughs> so actually, I want to set that up more because it's fucking nuts trying to search for a scene that blew up, essentially, and it's almost like it got wiped off the face. I mean, I jokingly went to Fuse t- TV to think like, oh, I'll just look up some old like clips. There was nothing. Why was nothing saved? That's for both of you. Oh, they're terrible. But- <laughs> oh, it's all, it's all gone. Uh, Trish can tell you. She was there. She was like, after the fact, they tried to digitize it. They lost it. They got rid of all the tapes. Wow. Like the majority of rock show footage is in my basement uh, next to a box of Jonah's vinyl that he forgot to take. Um, <laughs> and uh, like the first episode's gone. Like they, they were always terrible about that. I was the only person allowed to film the Johnny Ramone uh, birthday bash two days after he died, which had Josh Homme, Andrew WK, Blondie, The Strokes. I was the only camera allowed in because they knew that I was such a huge Ramones fan. He's lost all the footage. Wow. They were terrible. They're still terrible Crazy. about that. And, and, in, and in a world of, you know, being able to digitize everything and, you know, and upconvert stuff, like they lost it all. So I have all this kind of stuff. I have it on beta. I have it on TV. I have it on DV cam, you know, and it's all in my basement. And every once in a while, Trish goes, what are we doing with this? And I'm like, I think keeping it for posterity because it doesn't exist anywhere. But there's there's hundreds of episodes that were lost, um, some that show up on YouTube, which is very cool that people recorded. Um one of my nephews just said, dude, you're, you ended up on TikTok," And I was like, stay off TikTok." Uh, <laughs> um, so they're, they're there, but you know, nothing. Um, what do you think about that? Like Jonah? Crazy... Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, you know, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, Tom, I know you're very into archiving. I just listened to your, your episode with Adam from Jawbreaker. Oh um, yeah, that thing is all about. I mean, that's the that's how the Jawbreaker doc got made is because Adam fucking right. saved everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of stuff. I mean, like not from the rock show, but I mean, I have a lot of stuff from like doing zines or working AP. Like in my parents' basement, I have a lot of stuff. But as far as like the rock show goes, um, you know, I, I I didn't know this what Stephen's saying, but it's not surprising, and I think it's really. Uh, emblematic of it is like the way the show got canceled. Like, I feel like they just like called us into some executive's office and like basically said the show's not happening anymore. You know, Stephen was like, can we do a final episode? Wow. They were like, no. And that, and then it was just, that was it. I mean, it was so anticlimactic. Um, wow. And, 
And I know it's, you know, that yeah. sort of like that can be sort of the nature of the industry, but um, I feel like it was really sold short. Um, like, and oh, still, yeah. you know, I'm sure it makes Steven angry, but I, I feel like, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like it wasn't really appreciated at the time. And, um, and it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Yeah, that was a bummer. They, uh, there was, they brought in one of those random execs and he's the one when, when they switched it to two o'clock. I remember going into his office going, why are you switching this to two? And he said, I'm just playing around. And I said, I said to someone, can you play with somebody else's show? Like we, we get a rating and like we do good in the after school market and our fans are in school. It's like, I'm just playing around. He just didn't like the show. Didn't wow. get it. And, um, uh, and then I remember was taping another show and Trish called downstairs to the, to the dressing room and she went, Hey, I just found out they're canceling the show. I'm telling you, so you don't punch the executive when he calls you into his office. <laughs> and I went and I said, and I went fair enough. And, and she was like, just don't say anything to anybody. So I immediately told Jonah and Mike and <laughs> um, like before they had to walk in. And so then Jonah, I think walked in and like just made everyone really uncomfortable because he knew what was happening. Wow. Something had happened where like I had like been on an airplane and I don't know, like I'd been on an airplane and I was seated next to this guy I went to high school for who was like friends with this executive. Like they worked on Wall Street or something. And I remember being like, like, oh yeah, I met this guy. I'm fr- I went to high school with this guy friends with. He's like, oh, that's so cool. He's like, wish I had better news to bring you. <laughs> like it was like totally... And then they wanted me to be in a, I was supposed to be in a promo that day where I was like dressed up like Bob Dylan. And I was like, I I was like dropping these cue cards and I was like, I'm not going to do this. And then they were like, they eventually were like, if you, if you do this promo, we'll, we'll pay you your day rate and we'll pay you twice your day rate to do this. And I like out of principle, so wanted to say no, but I was like, I probably should just take the money. And I did it. Wow. Oh yeah. You You were very, very right to do that. Yeah, they, yeah. they, um, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's like, they all say like, you know, it's never personal and it wasn't dude just didn't like the show. I don't think he didn't like us. I don't think he, I think he just didn't, didn't get it. And then the ironic thing is he didn't last long and right. we, right. I remember trying to get them to bring it back. I, I talked to the guy they brought in again and, uh, this guy legit didn't like me. So, <laughs> um, he did a couple of best of episodes to see if it would rate. And he said, we're gonna do some best ofs. We'll put them on at like 1030 and midnight. And I was like, <laughs> okay, there it is. All right, cool. Well, hey, thank you. Thank right. you so much. Um, but it was a, it was a killer moment in time. Like it was like, I saw this, this student who was talking to me about it, which is fun that they thought of me, you know, it's like, it was four years, you know, you go to high school, four years, you go to college, four years. Like that's, that's a very, important influential chunk and a lot of people that saw the show were either in college or going to high school or finishing up middle school and that's right when your tastes are cementing and nowadays not to sound like you know old dude but i am old dude is that someone said i'm not sure who said it. i heard on dana gold's podcast and it was that kids today don't have a and, and again, it's fine. I'm not judging it. It's, it's interesting. They don't have a sense of ownership to a music or a scene or anything because everything's just out there. And they identify more with video games 
the way we did with bands, you know? And I think that's a pretty apt description and it's totally fine. Like we're not, I'm not supposed to understand that. Like I'm supposed to like, you do cool, do your thing, you know, go for it. Um, but we were definitely in the, in the sweet spot for people who, if you, if you were into that scene, like you watched us and that's pretty cool. What do you think about that, Jonah? Yeah, I think that, um, I think what Stephen's saying is true. I mean, you know, I like, again, like I wasn't involved in the show from the beginning. I mean, I, I moved to New York in 2007. Um, so I was just kind of on, I don't know, like the last year or so, but, um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was, it would, people definitely watched it. It definitely seems like, I remember hanging out with Steven during that period and it was like going to shows with Steven. It was like, he's recognized like by everyone in that scene. I mean, I feel like it was, um, it was a, definitely like a moment where like, it was this really kind of like independent and sort of thing becoming big. And like, this was this kind of weird portal into like, the mainstream for a lot of kids. So, yeah, I mean, I think looking back on it, it was a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, and I don't think you could have something like that again, um, for better or for worse, I guess. One of the coolest things that I remember doing when we do the rock show is that if we had time on the warp tour, we would, I would go over to the press tent and we would talk to whoever or anybody. And I remember one year, some kid coming up to me and like Ventura being like, like just off, just without a, just not a journal, not trying to write, going, how do I do what you do? And I'm like, you just start doing it. And she went, what? And I went, get a camera, like start coming to these things, start talking to bands, start reaching out. You know, eventually someone's going to say, yeah, and you start doing it. And then like the next year at Warp Tour, that kid had her own little setup in the press area and look at the way everything is now, you know, it's like, you have your own channel you have everything like anybody can do it and it's just really really cool that that happened i think